Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stephen. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Preaching is uh, it's not about information. You know, there's lots of information around. Isn't it? Look, I, I, can, I can Google anything I like and find out all the information about that particular subject or issue or, or whatever. Preaching is much more about revelation. And this message this morning is very much out of my revelation. It's actually almost out of my prayer journal um, over this last season, those last three or four weeks. Um, you know, at the start of this year... I remember saying to Robin, you know, I'm just, I just detected some tiredness in my soul. You know, and my soul meaning my mind, my will, the decisions and, and my emotions. And, and my thinking wasn't quite as sharp as I'd like it to be. I wasn't making those decisions as quickly as I wanted to. My emotions were flatlining a little bit. You know, I wasn't, I'd lost just a little bit of passion about things. And, uh, and sometimes life can just wear you down. I want you to recognise that sometimes life can just wear us down. And, and physically I felt fine. Um, spiritually I, I think I was going well. Um, but, but, you know, just to, to look back on a little bit of our history, we planted this church about 12 years ago, um, 12 and a half now. Uh, for the first many years, five or six years, Rob and I, we really could only just take a week here and there. Basically it was, there wasn't much of a team and, and or the team was there, we relied on us to do it parts of that and, and, uh, and so we really didn't take that many holidays in, in the first part until I got to about 2010 and uh, I was on the edge of burnout basically, I was stuffed you know and, and to, be, you know, to be really straight with it I, I just I didn't think I had what it took to do what it, I needed to do in the next season, I thought maybe the church needed to employ a new senior pastor and, and I didn't know I, I had the goods and uh, uh, but anyway, we got urged to take four weeks off in the middle of that year and, and came back and felt pretty good about things and, and it helped a lot. Um, you know, over this same period, we had four kids four kids married in four years, you know, and that puts a little bit of pressure on finances. We, we, we finally got over the line with this building and we, we were able to finish off this building, got on this building in um, 2012, started that and... and uh, you know, there's was, was a lot going on, and, and, uh, uh, and but anyway, once all those weddings were paid for, we actually had some space to, to have a few holidays, and we had great holidays. And, and uh, but I realised that the holidays weren't actually really the rest that I needed to have. Um, and, and you know, I mean, I, I love the adventure of, of holidays. I, I love the uh, the new place, the new people, the new customs that you learn, uh, lots of exploring. Um, Moving all the time, always on the go, you know, filling up your, your, you paid all this money to get someone so you want to get the best use of it and go as hard as you can. And as I said at the start of this year, I just felt some tiredness in my soul. And uh, after coming home from one of those great holidays, we had a white Christmas overseas and, and it was just wonderful. And, and I came home tired. And I said to Rob, no, I think I need to have some long service, I need to have some time off. And, and so we planned for that and, and we took. You know, four, uh, five weeks off at the, in the middle of this year, July, August, and uh, um, you know we've been doing here for 12 years, and 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 been at Macquarie for three or four years before that full time. And you don't realise 
the weight of what you carry sometimes. You know, um, I can be carrying, not, not, I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me, by the way, but, but I can be carrying sort of a couple of dozen people's worries at any particular time. Now, I don't try to carry them all the time, but I try to pray for them. I tried to, to ask for God's hand upon it. I tried to give, you know, give some time to, to, to open the, the doors or the windows or, or what might help them in that, that process. But you do carry it 24-7. And it's just something, I guess, the way I'm wired, maybe compared to someone else. But, but you just do, and it just wears you down. So we had five weeks off. We went to Bowen, North Queensland. In the middle of winter, it's beautiful up there. You know, we did all the, the active stuff, walking, swimming, snorkelling, kayaking, cycling, uh, playing tennis. We had a great well. We had a good bunch of people that we met up there and um, felt, felt really good, lost some weight, you know, felt really good physically and uh, was really keen to get back here and do what I knew God was calling us to for this next season and got a clarity in God what that might look like. And uh, um, after a few short weeks of being back, I detected this tiredness again, this tiredness starting to raise its head and start to creep back in. And I'm going, what's that? What is that? Why is this? What, what, is this a physical thing? Am I physically sick? Um, is there something wrong with me? Uh, what, what's going on? You know, and, and there was a, a, a small... His, a physical hiccup, but it was really more an emotional thing than a physical thing. Um, and, and one day, I do a, a, a read the year in a Bible, in a, the Bible in a year. Getting my words around the wrong way. The year, the Bible in a year, and there's some of these in the Kurong up there if you're interested. And it basically gives you an Old Testament, a New Testament, a Psalm, a proverb every single day. So you know, I'll go January one, I'll have some. January 2 and works through the year. And so this particular day, I, I read just, as I do every day out of my daily reading, out of the book of Jeremiah. Now, I don't particularly like reading Jeremiah, to be truthful. There's some really good passages in amongst it, but they call him the weeping prophet. And, and it's, it's right, he whinges and whines the whole time. And, and it's just like, it, it, I find it quite difficult to read it all. And, uh, but but I, I read this particular verse out of the book of Jeremiah and it was just like, it was life-giving. It was just like breathed life into my soul and my spirit. And as I've meditated on this over the, the, these three or four weeks since, um, look, I'll tell you where I got to. Just recently, you know, Robin challenged me and said, look, you're not like you used to be. And I'm going, aren't I? Well, I don't know. I didn't realise I wasn't. You know, I'm good at detecting burnout in other people's, but I'm not very good at detecting it in me. And, and I, I got with the leadership team and I actually apologised for not being on top of my game because I felt like I wasn't, you know, and, and I was slow making decisions and I procrastinated and, and I, I just felt like I lost my sharpness and, and, uh, and, and I got to that point of going, God, I don't know what this is. And I tell you, this scripture has opened up something in my soul and I want you to really notice this morning, I'm not going to give you three steps for wellness of soul i'm not going to give you <laughs> you know this is revelation to me and i pray it's revelation for you but it may not necessarily fit for where you are at and the the, the, the message is called was how to find rest for our souls basically how do we find rest for our souls and this is out out of jeremiah 6 uh, verse 16 if you want to get your, your bibles open you can and uh, we've got it up on the screen there as well jeremiah 6 and 6 verse 16 this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. 
Ask for ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. A great verse. And, and, and before I, I get into the application, I think I want to just set this up a little bit, the context of um, God speaking to this prophet, Jeremiah the prophet, um, just to help us understand what application we, we could have for ourselves. See, basically Jer- um, Jerusalem is under siege and there's been great injustice, there's been people using their position for power for their own gain, uh, there's, there's, there's this disregard not only for the word of God but for true care and concern for each other, uh, every man for themselves it seems. You know? And eventually God has had enough and amongst the commotion of these passages um, we have this verse which I find fascinating. God's heart for his people is right here in these verses. Basically he's saying even though there's been great disobedience, even though there's been great rebellion, there is a way back. Recognise the error of your way. Stop, pray, listen, change. Please repent. Please repent. And I want to have a closer look at what he says from here. See, this, the first part of this verse says, this is what the Lord says. You see, God spoke in these days to, to his people through prophets, through the prophets. And Jeremiah was a great prophet. And, uh, and if you read the context around this, there are so many other prophets, so-called prophets, you know, and, and, and they were saying, no, no, it's all good, peace, everything will be all right, everything's fine, God will save us. Only Jeremiah seems to be hearing God's voice. Only Jeremiah seems to be telling it straight. And the king hates that, he doesn't like it, he wants to kill him. Anyway, God wants to speak through Jeremiah the prophet, but the people won't listen. They ridicule the word of God, um, they're greedy, they do not speak truthfully or act truthfully and they cover over all this with a veneer of all is well and you know it's so easy to preach like that all is well all is well everything's fine everything's not fine in our lives is it we we go through the storms of life we go through those tough times whether it's it's relationally whether it's a physical ailment whether it's a, a spiritual battle where, where you just feel like you're praying and it's just like clanging symbols. It just doesn't seem, where's God in that? You know? And sometimes we go through mental um, strain and stress. We go through emotional pressure. Um, there's, there's just pressure on our souls. And, and we have to recognise that we can't just preach all is well, peace. We need to get real. And, and that's what I hope this church is about. I hope. We are authentic and real and honest and, and we don't hold back on anything, you know. Well, I, would, I just don't want to preach all is well all the time. You know, it's easy to preach that stuff. Can I tell you, I much prefer to preach that stuff because I don't have to examine myself and I can just preach the word of God and not really, you know, really consider what that, how that applies to me. But all isn't well all the time, is it? We have to recognise that. And to compound all this that we're just talking about, they become, these people have become comfortable with their evil ways. They no longer even recognise it as evil. They have become self-deceived. Jeremiah is speaking into a culture of ruins to a demoralised and, and, and deceived people and he senses some of the hardship is from outside the walls, from their enemies, but he also senses that some of the hardships they've brought on themselves. And we do that. We actually do that. And it's a challenging time in place in, uh, I think it's 586 BC before Christ. And, and, and it's not the same world as in 2014, a, 2014 AD, is it? Or is it? 
Or is it? Or is it? See, God spoke then and he speaks to us today. And we're not without a word from God. We only have to read. We have to take notice of what God's word says. There's word of God for every single one of us right here, every day. We just have to discipline ourselves sometimes to to see what God would want to say to us. Let's look at the words that God spoke to Jeremiah. First verse here says, or first part of the verse says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Stand at the crossroads and look. What are crossroads? Crossroads are those moments and places of decisions in our lives. And our lives are constant decisions. You know, I read an article in Time magazine that said, we make around, well, they couldn't even estimate, but thousands of decisions every single day in our lives. Every single day. Is it this way or is it that way? And here's something interesting. The scripture says, when we get to the crossroads in life, We need to stand. We need to pause. Not necessarily go with the flow. Not necessarily take the easiest option. Not do what everyone else looks like they're doing. Not not even let our common sense tell us what to do. But we need to stand and consider what would God want us to do? What would God say about that? What would his point of view say? You see, and notice it says, says there, it says stand. Not sit or rest, or lay down, don't go to sleep, standing suggests we are ready to respond in obedience. We don't lay down and go to sleep, we're waiting with expectancy, with anticipation of what we're going to receive, of what God's going to speak to us about. And then we do it, then we do it. And we need to respond immediately in obedience. You see, it's not really obedience if it's not immediate. It's not really obedience if it's not immediate. Let me give you an example of that. When our kids were younger, um, you know, we do the the parent thing and say, you know, you have to pick up that toy because someone's going to trip over it and and they're going to hurt themselves and dangerous and uh, and often they just ignore you, as kids do. And uh, so, so, uh, you know, we'd ask again and we'd expect, you know, when you ask someone to do something, you sort of expect that they'll do it straight away. Um, But we don't often do that, do we? And... uh, and then later on, I'll eventually go, well, I'll pick it up later. I'll pick it up later. And one, I guarantee it won't get picked up later. But two, it basically comes down, they're being disobedient. That's what it basically comes down to. They're trying to flex their own muscles, their independence muscles in that time. They're trying to do things their own way. And I think it's the same with us and God. I do. You know, when we sense God's leading on something, we read his word, we hear a message on it or, 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 or a Holy Spirit impacts us, impresses us about something and, and you go, well, well, I don't really want to do that. You know, I want to do this my own way. I want to do this in my own time. I want to do this when it suits me. And uh, there's other things that may be more important right now, God, and I'm going to do those first. We don't want to look foolish, but here's the thing, it's disobedience. See, obedience isn't obedience unless it's immediate. So when we're standing, we're waiting, we've got to be ready to move when God says move. When he says move, that's when we need to go. And and so while we stand at the crossroads, we need to look, to look. And we're wondering which way to turn, any place and moment of decision that we're at, and, and we need to lift our 
eyes and our heads and our hearts. Our hearts can get heavy and we just don't want to lift it sometimes. We have to lift our eyes and our, our, our heads and our hearts to what God would want to say to us. And, and it's okay to look with our physical eyes. In fact, it's pretty important. We do look with our physical eyes first. You know, we have a look around, we call on all the wisdom experience we've got and, and, and the natural giftings that God's given us. And that's like the, the first level. That's sort of like the superficial level, I, I think, the first consideration. We stand at crossroads, we need to look at all the possible options and possibilities. And I know this is where I can get bogged down, right there. I tell my kids, you know, write down the positives and the negatives, the pros, the cons, and see how many are on each side of the page and then work out which way is the most beneficial. And, and that's okay in the natural, but it can be confusing. And there's a book called The Paradox of Choice by uh, Barry Swartz, and he's a psychologist. And, he's, and he's, he explains why more is less. And the, the author argues that there's increasing numbers of choices. The options don't make us more content in life. In fact, they, they can be overwhelming for us. You know, shampoo and cheese and deodorant, the right education path, and the right school or university or the right investments or the right retirement plan or the right superannuation or the right whatever that looks like, the right retirement community. It works all through our life. Where are we going to live? How many children are we going to have? You know, and the abundance of choices actually makes us less happy and more stressed in our lives. See, every day we stand at the crossroads, every day. And, and of course it goes far beyond just our consumer choices, you know, and, and about employment and education, all that sort of thing. But the moral choices we make every day, what we value, our ethical and our spiritual lives, our walk with God, what is God calling us to and how are we going to outwork that calling in our lives? It's so much more important than just making decisions with our natural eyes the physical thing. The truth is we need to, as the Bible says, inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. What would you say about this, God? What's your thoughts on that? And look with our spiritual eyes, if you like. Have a look at what God would want for you in, in a spiritual sense. You know, Meaning we don't just rely on our natural gifts. We look for godly wisdom and insight that comes from God's perspective. Hebrews 11 says this, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It might be the Holy Spirit's promptings and guidance. It might be through the scriptures we're reading. It might be through a message you hear. It might be through uh, a wise godly friend, a counsel. You know? And we, all of a sudden we start to see our situation slightly different. What would God have us look at and consider? Will it be faith-based? It, it will be faith-based, I mean. It will be faith-based. I'm telling you, it will be. If it's God, it will be faith-based. We probably won't even see it with our natural eyes. In fact, sometimes we have to get our natural eyes off we're looking at physically in the circumstance of life so we can actually see and hear what God really wants for us. I find that so interesting. Sometimes we're so dominated by our natural eyes, we only see the circumstances and the, and the, the tough stuff and the, and the things that aren't working and we, we, we make decisions about that where God says, no, no. There's a higher way. You don't understand my thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And we need to understand that God has got maybe a different thing to say. Now, he may have the same thing. That's cool. He may have something different to say about that. Um, at the crossroads, under pressure, of, under pressure of circumstances, I think we can all recognise decisions we've made haven't been that smart and, uh, and they end up being costly. 
And I've got a great story here at the expense of my wife. And uh, um, now, before, I, before I, I have a good story about her, um, my wife actually got her OMC this year and I didn't recognise it. So can you all give her a clap? She is now a fully, fully qualified pastor. It's not on learner plates anymore, so, uh, uh, so, so that's great. But, but this, this time when this decision was, had an interesting outcome for us was, was when we lived in Orange. We moved out to Orange in our early uh, 20s and we bought 100 acres um, at Lower Lewis Ponds, which is sort of between Bathurst and Orange and, uh, and didn't have any house on it. So we, we actually went down to Sydney, down to Malabar in Sydney, down near the, uh, the beach down there and... She's shaking her head and I think I'm in trouble. And, um, and basically um, we went down there and found this house and it was a, a fibro place and, and uh, we said, yeah, that's the house we want. And, uh, and these, these guys, these removalists come in and they cut the house in half and they put them on the back of semi-trailers from Sydney and they move it up to Orange and we'd set it up again and, and do all that. Now, we hadn't been living at Orange that long when this all happened and these, these big burly truck drivers driving these, these houses over the Blue Mountains, you know, through the skinny little roads those days it was and, and Robin said, yeah, I'll meet them out on Bathurst Road and I know a shortcut across to our property. And uh, basically, you know, the two great big semi-trailers following her with these burly blokes that, you know, aren't really um, you know, that easy to get along with sometimes and, and so she, she takes a turn off Bathurst Road because and, and, there was a few options you could take. She takes this turn off Bathurst Road and, and, and follows this track along on a dirt road which you'd expect there but all of a sudden it sort of gets into a smaller track and, and she keeps driving and I must be up here further and up here further and, and, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller so there's one lane little dirt track and it basically goes to a dead end. Now, under pressure, the decision wasn't that great because what actually happened is it didn't take a shortcut, it took a long cut and it ended up with these great big semi-trailers with half houses on the back of them up this dirt track. There was nowhere to turn around. They had to reverse for kilometres to turn around and, and the damage to the house was quite significant because the ceilings fell in and, and all that sort of stuff. And... Uh, um, and so, for a quick decision, under pressure, end up costing us a fair bit in the process and it took extra time and effort to get to the final destination. Sometimes in our lives we do need to look before we leap. And, when we, and for us as Christians, so we weren't Christians, she didn't have the Holy Spirit guiding her, so she was right, but uh, when, we, when we don't inquire of the Lord, <laughs> it ends up being costly one way or another. And sometimes we make decisions that aren't that wise in the process of life. The next part here says, ask for ancient paths. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for ancient paths. Firstly, we are supposed to ask. It's okay to ask God. It's okay to inquire of God. No matter how big or small the decision you're making, it's okay to ask God What's your thoughts on this? You know, Matthew uh, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock the door at the door and it will be open to you. It's okay to ask. 
What, but what's the ancient path? What's that all about? It's not the, the next big thing. It's not the newest gadget, the program. Even what a Christian celebrity says, it's not about any of that. For a Christian, there's a well-travelled ancient path. It's well-documented here. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon tells us. The wisest man ever born. There's nothing new under the sun. That there are an ancient path there that we can follow. And for thousands of years, you know, 4,000 years, I think, as God called Abraham and Sarah, then Moses. The ancient path incorporates the Ten Commandments. So there's some guidelines for us. You know, that's in, in Exodus 20. And it's a great starting place. Moses wrote these Ten Commandments down on the tablets. And, uh, but, but Jesus took these Ten Commandments to a whole new level. You've got to understand this. They're, they're, they're good place to start. But Jesus says, no, no, that's okay, but well, let's take this to a new level. In Matthew 5, Basically, Jesus says in verse 17 to 20, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. And in verse 21, he makes reference to the, old, to the Ten Commandments. And he, but he says there's a higher level. He says in verse 21, you have heard that it is said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So it's not murder, it's actually just being angry with each other. The same judgment applies. In verse 27, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. There's there's a higher level. See, see, Jesus is saying those Ten Commandments are good, but you know there's a higher level for you and me to live our lives out. And any decision making where there are clear moral and, and ethical and spiritual guidelines we need to check firstly what God says about that. Hebrews 11:1 1, that we already read, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain what we do not see. And this is what it says after that. This is what the ancients were commended for. See, there's amazing men and women of God we can read about in here. And they weren't perfect. They made lots of mistakes. They stuffed up lots of times. And it's great to hear that because it lets us off the hook a little bit as well. But they are faithful, they are on fire for God. And Hebrews 12:1, you know, we're urged not to only be encouraged by the faith, by their faith, but actually to outwork that faith in our lives. Because it says this: Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, talking about all those old characters, in, the characters in the Old Testament, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that will so easily entangle, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That whole passage, the verse 2 to 12, is, is just amazing. Just amazing. I urge you to, to read that. So ask for ancient past, but also where the good way is. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. See, throughout the Old Testament, God gave us many prophets, Isaiah and, and Jeremiah, the, you know, the verse um, that we heard this morning, Isaiah 40, and, and, and Jeremiah, this, this one we're, we're reading, but... You know, John the Baptist identified the Messiah in Jesus and he identified as the way, the truth and the life. And I'm telling you, there's no better way than that. You know, Eugene Patterson who, who, uh, um, who wrote the, or transcribed the, the Message Bible uh, says this, um, that the way is the most avoided metaphor of Christianity. You realise that? Like everyone's happy with the truth and the life part, but the way has got a, a deeper implication. The way means to do 
it the way Jesus did it, become absolutely needy and dependent on the Father. And it's sort of summarised in, in Proverbs 3, um, uh, verses 5 to 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You see, there's an ancient path for us to follow. We don't have to come up with a new thing. We just have to come up with what God would say to us personally, intimately. And part of accepting the gospel invitation of Jesus who said and still says today, just follow me, just follow me. You don't have to... You don't have to be innovative. You don't have to be even creative on this sometimes. Just follow me. Do what I say to do. Even if you're tired and weary. In fact, especially if you're tired and weary, follow me. Follow me. Jesus is the good way. The ancient path is the good way. It's a way that leads to life. And basically just says really easily there, then walk in it. Walk in it. And we need to walk in faith and outwork, outwork our Christianity every day. Not just talk about it, not just think about it, not just consider it, but outwork it in our lives. You know, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And this is where I want to get to <laughs> through all that. And you'll find rest for your souls. And you'll find rest for your souls. See, church, in the business of life, in the stresses and strains of life, in the, in the stuff where we just are so, so uncertain, um, it, it's okay to be unsure. That, that, that's okay. That, that's not a sin. But we actually have to make sure that our souls are being fed. We're actually finding rest for our souls. And, and can I tell you, I told you that the whole thing about the holiday thing to tell you, I was putting my hope in holidays. I'm going, I'm tired, I need to have a holiday. That's not what God wants. He wants us to put our hope in Him. Not in the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. To rest in Him. For Him to, to capture, like just to nurse us in His arms. You don't have to go on holiday for that. In fact, I went on that five-week holiday and I don't think I let really God nurse me at all that whole time. I came back just as tired virtually within a couple of weeks. A couple of things, bang, a couple of things together and it's was like, oh, I'm tired. We have to find rest for our souls. Our, our ears have to be open, our eyes open. And we have to admit we desire this rest for our souls. I don't know if you, desire, if you actually admitted that sometime. But I think we all want that. There's a, like an intrinsic thing in us that just desires that rest for our souls. That just wants that rest on the, internally. That, but it's not about our circumstances. It's not about what we're going through. It's not about the storms in life. It's not about the holidays we do or don't have. It's actually about our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, with the God the Father. It's about that. And, and, and our work may become harder and busier and even boring sometimes. Maybe we experience health challenges. Maybe there's conflict within families. Maybe there's a relational conflict. You know, there's bomb, bad news bombarding us every day on the news and on the internet and emails and it's just coming out of every different, dire every different direction. 
and, and it seems like our business can make it even difficult to, to get to God. And then you add in the culture. You overlay the culture that we currently live in. You know, like the culture of Jeremiah. You know, we're, 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 it constantly points us towards hedonism and, and self-gratification. Uh, and it's, it's for me. It's for my pleasure. It's all about me. It, it, it's all about my needs. And, 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 and it's a deception of the enemy. The enemy loves it when we think like that because our soul is not resting. It's striving. It's thinking and considering and making decisions on what's next, how do I get there, how do I do that? And, and we won't be resting, even though rest is our desire. It's the opposite. And, and it's like we have to step out of the pressure cooker of that, out of that culture, out of that way of thinking, get our eyes off those physical things and worries and concerns. See, only then, when we, we don't conform to the pattern of this world, we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We can actually let God's word go in. And can I tell you, that's me. Like, you know, there, there was just a bit going on in the church. And I got tired and I thought a holiday would fix it. Didn't fix it. So it was actually about my relationship with God. It was actually about the revelation God had for me to go... Greg, get your eyes off that. That's, that's not trusting me. That's not, that's, you're striving. You're, you're trying to do all these things, trying to intercept problems. You're trying to fix other people's problems for them. It's not up to you. Pray for them, of course. Of course pray for them. You know? But, but it's not up to me. He said, that's my job, basically. Find rest for your soul. Find rest for your soul. And it's easier to say than to do, to be truthful. And, and we ask the question, that the only question that really matters, what does God want to say to me? What does God want to say? What would his word be to me? Instead of struggling and striving and through our own efforts trying to gain favour with people and or God, to improve our position in life, to improve our finances. Instead of operating out of our own strength, trying to control everything, trying to think about every possible outcome, we have to have this sort of faith that we've been talking about here, a faith that confirms in us that God works all things for the good days that love him and are called according to his purposes. And we have to have this, this rest that's based in truth and in, in love and in peace and the love of our God, that he is there for us. Even when we don't feel him, he is there for us, for every single one of us. A peace that transcends all understanding. We can't understand it. It's impossible to understand the peace of God. You know? And that we can have this perfect love, a perfect love that's so perfect that it drives out fear. That's the love of our Saviour, of our God. It's crazy. And that's where we can trust. That's where we can really rest. You see, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus in our midst. I don't know if you've ever sat and gone, I wonder what Jesus would think about my life. I wonder what Jesus, how he go with what I'm thinking about, what I'm reading, what I'm looking at on the internet, what I'm... How would Jesus go with that? If he was with you for a day, 
How'd that look? Would you change very much about the way you did things for that day you had Jesus with you? It's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. And, and I'd like you to think about that because there might be some changes you need to bring in the consequence of that. But Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Great scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, a yoke is, is a thing they put on bullocks, on cattle, to pull the plough. And Jesus says, when you're pulling this yoke with me, you're not taking any weight. We shouldn't be taking any weight. I can do it all. I'm big enough and ugly enough to do it all. You don't have to carry that weight. And we so think we've got to pull that yoke. We've got to do the dragging, struggling. So often we think taking the easy option will give us rest. Sometimes we, we, we think it's a holiday like me. Sometimes we, we, we just don't get that God just wants to give us the refreshing he's got for us right now right in the midst of our storms, right in the midst of our troubles. His, his rest is there for you and for me. So often just the God revelation brings rest to our souls. For me it is anyway. And, and I, I urge you to seek out what God would say. But, but here's the sad part about this whole passage. Jeremiah 6.16. The last part of this verse says this. But you said... We will not walk in it. But you said we will not walk in it. And we've perhaps stood at the crossroads in our decision making. We've looked. We've asked for ancient paths, we, the good ways to walk in. Which way do we look? You know? And yet we know what the good ways tell us to do. We, it's all here. We, we know what the, the, the small still voice of God would tell us to do. And we, we choose not to walk that way. We, we've refused to walk that way. That's us, isn't it? That's, that's our human condition. You know, We think we know best. I can work this one out, God. Don't need you in the process. I'll, I'll do it. But we want to find rest for our souls. We have to rest in God's revelation for us, for his wisdom, for our situation, for our circumstances, for our, for our soul's sake. You know, and I got this quote, and I don't even know where it came from. But the soul always knows what to do to heal itself. The challenge is to silence the mind. The soul always knows what to do to heal itself. <laughs> the challenge is to silence the mind. <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty as charged. You know, I've got a story here I'm going to finish with, and. Uh, I just like the story. I think it fits with, with this message. So, uh, but just, just listen to what it, where it's going. Ruby Hamilton is a businesswoman in her 50s. This is Ruby's prayer. Was stunned at the loss of her husband of 32 years in a car accident. Her anger and disappointment went deeper than a typical expression of grief though. She'd become a follower of Christ in her late 20s, but her husband didn't share her same beliefs. Nonetheless, she set about praying for him feverishly and unceasingly that he would come to know the Lord. 
And one day when she was praying, she felt a wave of peace wash over her and that small, still voice assuring her that her husband would be okay. It might make you feel a bit better. She eagerly awaited the day when her husband would surrender his life to Jesus and now this. He's, he's died in a car accident. What do you do when your faith doesn't make sense? When God doesn't seem to be answering or opening doors around you? Ruby Hamilton stopped living for God. She got to the crossroads and she made some bad choices or choices that was based on circumstances. Now, here's another part of the story. Roger Simmons was hitchhiking his way home. Um, he never forget the date, May the 7th. He'd just been released from the army. He had his back sack on and, and uh, uh, he was anxious to take off that army uniform uh, once and for all and he was hitching down the road and this oncoming car was coming and, and he saw it was a black Cadillac, sleek Cadillac. He said, oh well, well, he's not going to stop, but he, the car stopped and this passenger door swung open. He ran the car, tossed in his bag and in the back, um, in the back. and then this, this handsome guy in his 50s said, you know, going home for keeps? He said, yep, sure am. Well, you're unlucky if you're going to Chicago, he said. And he said, well, I'm not quite going that far. I'm going nearly to Chicago. Uh, the guy said, well, I have a business there and my name's Hamilton. They chatted for a while and then Roger Christian felt a compulsion to share his faith with his 50-ish apparently successful businessman but he kept putting it off till he realised he was just 30 minutes from his home and it was now or never. Mr Hamilton, I'd like to talk to you about something very important. He simply told Mr Hamilton about the love of God and the plan of salvation ultimately asked him if he'd like to receive Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. The Cadillac pulled over to the side of the road. Roger expected he was about to get thrown out of the car. Instead, the businessman bowed his head and received Jesus. He thanked Roger. He said, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Five years went by. Roger got married, had a couple of kids, a business of his own. Packing one day his bag for a trip to Chicago, he found a small white business card that had been given to him by Hamilton five years previous. He looked it up, he looked up Hamilton Enterprises and the receptionist told him it was impossible to see Mr Hamilton, but he could see Mrs Hamilton. And a little confused, he was ushered into a beautiful office where he found himself facing a keen-eyed woman in her 50s. She extended her hand. She said, you knew my husband. And Roger told her about how Hamilton had picked him up in the car that day after his hitchhiking home. Um, Can you tell me more more what happened that day? Sure, it was the May the 7th. Five years ago, the day I was discharged from the army. Anything special, she said. He hesitated, not knowing whether to mention how he shared the message of Jesus with her husband. Mrs Hamilton, I explained the gospel to your husband that day. He pulled over the side of the road and wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body. Finally getting a grip on herself, she sobbed, I prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I believe God would save him. Where's your husband, Ruby? He's dead. He was in a car crash after he let you out that day. He never got home, you see. I thought God has not kept his promise. I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought God had not kept his word. I was angry with God. I don't know what crossroads you're at right at this particular point in time. I don't know the circumstances surrounding your life necessarily. I don't know what decisions you're trying to make right at this point in time. But I do know that our God is a faithful God. 
I do know that his blessing and favour follows us when we follow him. I do know when we choose the good way, there will be benefits on, in this earth and for eternity. When we walk in his way, he'll be with us. In fact, he'll go before us. He'll carry us in those tough times. And I do know there'll be a resting for our soul. When we lay down that other stuff, when we just lay it down, say, God, I can't carry it any longer. I can't carry it any longer. I can't do it anymore. I lay it down for you. Please give me rest in my soul. You know, I've asked Matt just this morning to, to sing a great song that, that uh, I hope speaks to your soul this morning. But can I read you just one more passage? I didn't know if I'd have time to do this. Psalm 23. Just close your eyes and I'll get Matt to start straight afterwards. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all is well. Through it all.
make this a declaration this morning. Let's make this a declaration that we will choose to rest in God's peace. Simple, simple words here. It is well with my soul. the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.